sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No, Sensei. Get him a body bag, Johnny! Yeah! Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How is everybody doing out there? I am doing great. It feels good to be back behind the mic. I feel like I haven't recorded in months, but uh, it's only been a couple weeks. And uh, finally get into the long overdue The Last Boy Scout. One of the movies I've always wanted to do since I started the podcast. And uh, since we've planned on doing this, there's just been a few setbacks here and there. Uh, a lot of sickness in my house and... Uh, doctor's appointments and uh, just me not feeling good and just uh, schedule conflicts so uh, it's good to be back it's Tuesday back on the regular recording schedule and then the good news is is I got another episode coming to you later on this week and that will be Major League and I just watched that last night and man I laughed hysterically I cannot wait to record that episode I'm actually more pumped about that episode than I am this one just because I watched Last Boy Scout last week and watch a major league last night is definitely fresh in my brain. But got some exciting things planned for tonight's show. It's going to be some good times. And uh, if you didn't know already, Star Wars will start next Tuesday. So get your emails in for Star Wars. Ty is coming on and we're starting with episode one, The Phantom Menace. And then every week we will move on till we get to Return of the Jedi. Now, uh, hopefully it'll be every week. Uh, there's a possibility where we may have a week break or so just depending on schedules. But... That's the plan is to, uh, we are definitely starting Star Wars next Tuesday, so get your emails in for that, and I will keep you posted on the remaining episodes going forward. So I am very happy and excited to be back, so let's get rolling right into the good old movie and music news.
Alright, so for movie news, we got some Die Hard 5 news. So the going title right now is A Good Day to Die Hard. And uh, basically the storyline is supposed to be where John McClane and his son Jack put aside their differences and take on some thugs in Russia. So we got some casting done for that. And it's supposed to be filming uh, next month. And it's supposed to be released around next February. So we will see how that goes, you know. Uh, I enjoyed Die Hard 4 more than most people did. So I'm excited for Die Hard 5. And, uh, and of course, in sequel news, we have uh, Schwarzenegger, who is all about the uh, sequel train because he just signed up for the twin sequel, which is going to be called Triplets, which is going to have Eddie Murphy in it. So it should be a train wreck, to say the least. But he is up for True Lies 2, and uh, Steven Seagal may possibly join Expendables 3. Steven Seagal was originally going to be in the first Expendables, however, he has some issues with the producer. So, we'll see how that goes. Um, other exciting news, if you're a fan of Ben Kingsley, who famously played Gandhi, he is in talks to be uh, in Iron Man 3. Uh, again, it's just talks at this moment. Nothing too uh, set in stone, but we will see how that goes. Now, Tom Hanks, he is set to play Walt Disney, which I think is going to be super fun. Now, essentially, um, he's going to be portraying, uh, it's going to be around the time where he was making Mary Poppins. So, uh, you know, I love Mary Poppins. It's going to be some good times. So, you know, if Tom Hanks can, you know, Tom Hanks can pull off any character. So I am super excited to see, you know, where that goes from here. So, um, other interesting stuff, and actually this is pretty interesting. The uh, origins of The Amazing Spider-Man is going to span over multiple films. So, the story just came out today. It's essentially what they're saying is, is that they want to give the audience something new. It's going to start off getting underneath the parents' story, which will then unfold over a possible few movies. They don't want to wrap up the story in the first movie. They want to kind of keep it a, an ongoing mystery. So it's definitely, you know, a gamble. I mean, you know, you're used to getting all of your origin, quote-unquote, story in, in your first movie. And then from there you move on with your characters. But this time they're going to try to make the origin uh, kind of be... You know, kind of treat it like a, like a TV show. You know, like give you a little bit here, a little bit there, and then you get all wrapped up by the end of the season. So that's kind of how they're planning on going with Spider-Man. We'll see if it slaps them in the face or if it actually turns out to be a really good idea. Uh, I don't have anything against the idea. I'm not for the idea. I think it's, uh, I think it's an interesting idea. They're, def they're definitely brave. Uh, that's all I got to say. So, you know, I'm getting excited. You know, more Avengers... Uh, TV spots have hit, you know, Captain America telling Hulk to Hulk smash, you know, it was kind of funny watching the big smile, um, you know, it's right around the corner, so we will see how, uh, how that goes, I, I can't wait, and probably if I see, uh, Avengers in the theater, which more than likely I will, I will do a special episode for the Avengers, I won't just throw a Facebook review up there, which I just watched, um, Dreamhouse, and uh, I threw a review on that on the Facebook page. So go check that on out. Uh, you know, I had a lot of fun with that movie. Now, Jaws is actually going to be coming to Blu-ray on August 14th. So all of you that are excited about this, you know, have been looking for it, wanted to know when it was going to happen, August 14th is your day. So, um, you know, and I don't really want to touch too much on the whole Turtles fiasco. Every podcast is talking about it. 
you know, uh, basically the way I'm going to look at it is just I'm going to take it and see see what they do with it. You know, Transformers, Michael Bay did his thing, and uh, you know, I guess I'll just let them let them do their thing. I'll watch the trailers, I'll watch the movies, and then I'll give I'll give my final opinion after I see it. So. Now, uh, let's get into some um, music news real quick here. Now, we do have Creed back in the studio. They are working on another album, which is all good for me. Uh, I really enjoyed the last album. I thought it was definitely their best album yet. I was very excited, so I am super pumped to have them back in the studio. And, uh, and hopefully they'll make another killer CD. We got Nickelback. Uh, they're launching their tour after giving um, their album time to uh, kind of seep in a little bit. Uh, instead of going right on tour, they released their album here and now. Uh, they actually re- released it in November, and then they decided that they're going to start touring for on April 10th. Normally, you know, you release an album about uh, either during that time um, you go out on tour, or um, you release the album and then like a week or two later you start your tour Nickelback and uh, actually decided to uh, wait a couple months to do it which is kind of a a, a different move uh, it seems people are trying to make some different moves around here and you know debut at number two on the Billboard Top 200 so you know whether you're a Nickelback fan or not it's definitely an interesting concept to wait to tour uh, when you know when your album's been out since November uh, it's definitely kind of a gamble really because you you want to keep your album sales going and the way you do that is with touring Uh, it's definitely one of the biggest ways of doing that so it's just kind of funny that it did that but i can totally dig it too at the same time so not a lot of music news nothing really striking me too much so let's go ahead and get into some tv news you have too much tv that's what my mother tells me all right, now in TV news, uh, I was watching, uh, you know, CSI Miami, one of my favorite shows. I've been watching the show since the beginning, and uh, I guess I should have known this. I have no idea why I didn't know this, since everything said season finale. But come to find out, you know, I, I was watching the, I thought it was the season finale, and uh, you know, I'm getting to like the last ten minutes, and I said, you know, I don't see how there's going to be a cliffhanger because there was this happy ending going on. And then they all got together and they're just laughing and smiling. And I'm like, this feels like it's a series finale. And sure enough, come to find out after 10 seasons, which a lot of shows don't even hit past five seasons, that uh, CSI Miami has officially ended their 10 season run. Um, I love the show. It was great cheese factor. Always good times. So if you did not know, CSI Miami is officially over. Uh, Sunday was the season, uh, the series finale. So now, any of you uh, guys out there that like uh, New Girl, which I have to admit, uh, with New Girl, I gave it a try. I watched it for about uh, three or four, five episodes, and uh, it just, I just wasn't feeling it. Same thing I did with Whitney. I just wasn't feeling it, and I finally gave up on New Girl. And uh, But if you are a fan of this show, Fox, they renew New Girl, Glee, and Raising Hope. So they will all be back next year. So that's kind of the early talks in regards to what has got renewed. Now, uh, Ringer, uh, one of my favorite shows with Sarah Michelle Gellar on CW. Uh, that show is going to be having the season finale 
in the next two episodes. Uh, I have not got word yet if, in fact, it is going to be renewed. I hope it is, but usually renewal time isn't for a couple more weeks. But this is just kind of early renewal news. So if you are a fan of New Girl, Glee, and Raising Hope, and it is on the Fox Network, you are now, hopefully, will be a happy camper to hear this. So uh, other than that, that's the biggest TV news I have. Uh, nothing dramatics happened. We got some hiatuses going on. You know, Revenge has been on a hiatus, which is going to come back at the end of the month. Bones finally came back, which I am super excited for. Uh, Bones had her baby on her show, which was some good times. And uh, and I'm really interested to see where the show goes from here. You know, I love that show. It is some good times. And uh, other than that, uh, we got Revenge coming back at the end of the month. We got Supernatural coming back at the end of the month. Uh, Burn Notice should be starting soon, and then Pretty Little Liars comes back on my birthday, which is June 5th. So, uh, so you guys know, that's my birthday, so if you want to send me a present, go ahead and email me, and I will give you my address so you can send me a birthday present. That would be awesome, so I'm just messing with you. So that's what I got, guys, for TV news. Let's go ahead and get into the movie review of Bruce Willis in my favorite Bruce Willis film outside of the Die Hard series. And that would be The Last Boy Scout. This ain't no game, Flash. Joe Hellenbeck, a private detective who's run out of luck. If you touch me again, I'll kill you. <laughs> two for two. Told you. Jimmy Dix. I like bricks. Is an ex-quarterback who was thrown out of football. Another tragic tale of wasted youth. You're nobody. Shh. Don't tell anyone. They were trying to clean up their acts. You vacuum. I'll dust. When they got dragged into the dirty world of sports corruption. So you're gonna bribe some senators to legalize gambling. Legalize. Sports gambling. Now, son, we're going to a ball game. They've got one shot. What am I gonna do? Point at the bad guys and shoot! To get the goods. Ah! On the bad guys. This once, I would like to hear you scream. Play some rap music. <laughs> Out of ideas, man. Take your best shot. If they don't kill each other first. That was a bomb? It had a hell of a factory recall. Bruce Willis. Damon Wayans. The last Boy Scout. Danger's my middle name. Mine's Cornelius. Don't tell anybody I kill you. She's hot, Joe. She rates a three on my finger scale. Make her one on your nose scale. Prove your looks. Wear enough makeup. She looks like a, a damn raccoon. I come in the house, I think it's a burglar. I almost shot her twice. You're not funny, and all the girls at that school wear makeup. Well, I'm sure all the girls at that school don't put it on with a paint sprayer. To your information, a lot of people think I'm very funny. Now go live with them. Don't tempt me. Keeping it warm for me, Mike? Easy. Don't do nothing dumb. How was she? 
On your finger scale, how was my wife? Just happened, Joe. It... Sure, sure, I know. It just happened. Could happen to anybody. It was an accident, right? You tripped, slipped on the floor, and accidentally stuck your d*** in my wife. Whoops. I'm so sorry, Mrs. H. I guess this just isn't my week. Hey, Joe, how long have we been friends? I see roughly till you started banging my wife. You knew, didn't you? Suspected. Damn it, why didn't you say something? What do you want me to say, Sarah? F*** you, Sarah. Yes. Yeah, or anything to get a rise out of you. How about you're a lying Sarah? How about if there were cops here, I'd spit in your face. Want me to spit on you? It would show you had some pride left. Fresh out, honey. You know what, Joe, man? You are never around. I was lonely. By a dog. I'm not the one who hates you, Joe. You're the one who hates you. And I get to live with myself 24 hours a day. Hi. You're nobody. Don't tell anyone. You couldn't protect a cup of warm piss. Spilled my warm cup of piss. Wrong place, wrong time. Nothing personal. That's what you think. That's not I f your wife. Oh, you did, huh? Well, how'd you know it was my wife? She said her husband was a big pimp-looking motherfucker with a hat. Oh, you real cool for a guy about to take a bullet. After f***ing your wife, I'll take two. Leather pants. Yeah. Well, something like that, right? 650 $650? Yeah. The pants? Yeah. You wear them? Yes. Then I have, like, a TV in them or something? Bit late for a stroll, don't you think? Yeah, you girls ought to be getting home. Yeah, street lights are on. Shut up, face. I'm face. He's ass. Jake. <laughs> Surprise, Rodney Dangerfield here of his situation. <laughs> Perhaps we can dispense with the fun and games now. Yes. You want the envelope, right? The envelope. Very smart. See, Jake. Here's a man who knows when a situation is untenable. Good word. You like that word? And you do have that envelope, don't you? you? Better give up, Jimmy. We're dealing with a couple of geniuses here. All right, man, just leave him the fuck alone. Leave him alone, sure, whatever you say. Jake attacks his job with a certain exuberance. We're being beat up by the inventor of Scrabble. It's dangerous. Dangerous, my middle name. Mine's Cornelius. Maybe I could take your daughter out. What's she like? She's like 13 years old, and if you even look at her funny, I'm gonna stick an umbrella up your ass and open it. Really? No. Really? <laughs> hey, baby. I thought you were tough. See, Pamela's not so bad. Seem to have dropped my cigarette. I have another. Sure. What is that? 
It's a bomb. It doesn't look like a bomb. It looks like an apple with lines coming out of it. They're gonna say, don't open a briefcase, it's full of fresh fruit. Are you kidding me? Oh! She took the blackmail, Jim. I have no truck with that. Well, she's one of the sweetest little whores I ever tasted. It's five feet of marble between me and you. Maybe I make it, maybe I don't. You call a whore again, I'm gonna find out. Jimmy. Jimmy! Do what you gotta do. Take it easy, Jimmy. You should know. With a face like that, he's gotta be paying for it. Okay, the last Boy Scout. Now, uh, here's the thing. A couple of months ago, I did the um, the Action Hero series tribute. You know, I did like Armageddon and Commando. And, uh, and I pretty much went through every single Arnold Schwarzenegger movie and rated it. I went through every Bruce Willis film and rated it. And, uh, you know, so on and so forth. So... Uh, whatever my rating was on The Last Boy Scout is probably going to change because of the fact of, you know, I've watched it. I've actually watched it three times uh, in the past two weeks just because of the fact of this episode was supposed to happen two weeks ago. So I've constantly rewatched it and, and, uh, and all that fun stuff. So, um, I'm very excited to talk this movie. This is one of my all time favorite one lighter films. Um, what's really great about this is the fact of, this is not John McClane. This is basically Bruce Willis playing a different character than he's played before. I mean, this whole entire movie, he is just a complete douchebag, which is so awesome. I mean, your main character is, an, is a douchebag, but you love him, you know. And Damon Waynes, which is my favorite Waynes brother from The Living Color, which, you know, he was Homie the Clown. Uh, homie don't play that. You know, he was always the bum that always picked his nose to put his cardboard box together. I mean, A Living Color was off off the chain. I mean, it was great. That show was way ahead of its time. It definitely broke barriers and walls. And you definitely could not do that show today, which I'm excited to see when it comes back this summer, how they're going to pull that off. But uh, I love Damon Wayans. I've loved him ever since In Living Color. He was always my favorite off of that. Uh, he's made some funny, funny movies. Um, and uh, and this is definitely my favorite Damon Wayans film. Now, granted, he hasn't had a whole lot of... Uh, you know, filmography, you know, we got Major Pain, which is one of his films and and uh, in various other, you know, various other films. But this one is definitely showcases his comedicness, his uh, action abilities. Uh, he's just he's just awesome in this film. So essentially, The Last Boy Scouts came out in 1991. And uh, Bruce Willis is this former Secret Service agent. He's now working as his private detective. Damon Waynes is actually a retired professional football player. And they essentially join forces to solve the murder of uh, Damon Wayne's girlfriend, who's then played by, um, some people didn't know this, but it's actually Halle Berry. And, uh, and it, it's some good times, man. It was actually directed by Tony Scott, which is going to sound pretty familiar to you. Which, you know, if it doesn't ring a bell, Beverly Hills Cop 2... Top Gun, True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, Man on Fire, Deja Vu, The Taking of Pelham 123, Unstoppable. I mean, obviously, you know, he started to work uh, pretty exclusively with uh, Denzel Washington later on. But, you know, this is definitely uh, a great film. You know, it's definitely got, uh, you, you know, he's definitely got a signature around it, which is really great. Uh, the cool thing is he's got enough story in here and action. But th the best thing about this film is the fact of Bruce Willis and his one-liners. I mean, he is just this, uh, essentially, this down-and-out 
guy. Uh, you know, as a basic plot summary, um, the movie starts off with this like rainy football game, and uh, Billy Cole, which is played by Billy Blinks, which you know he's a he's a martial artist, and you probably know him from Taibo and stuff. Uh, he starts to get this threatening phone call during halftime uh, from somebody named Milo, which is an interesting, fun character, warning him that if he's uh, that he's going to win the game or he loses his life, and uh, he essentially wins the game and. You know, shoots people with a gun and blows his brains out in front of everybody. So then we get introduced to Bruce Willis' character, which is Joe Hallenbeck. And uh, you'll eventually find out he's this former U.S. Secret uh, Service agent. Uh, he's turned private investigator. Discovers that his wife, um, which is uh, Tila from Masters of the Universe, uh, she's having an affair with his best friend. And uh, it's actually his business partner, Mike. Uh, which is, uh, if you've ever seen Time Cop, the boss of Time Cop, Van Damme's boss is the guy that plays Mike. Now, Mike will actually die uh, in front of the house. He gets blown up in his car explosion uh, after giving Joe an assignment to act as kind of like a bodyguard to this stripper named Corey, which is played by Halle Berry. Now, the funny thing with this is Halle Berry got paid all this money to show her boobs off and uh, I believe a swordfish. She got paid all these millions of dollars. She already did in this flick. I mean, seriously, I don't know why they made such a big deal out of it when she already did it before in this film. So... Just saying. So anyways, um, the, there's essentially, you know, he starts his assignment off, goes to where she's working, and immediately comes in contact with good old Damon Waynes, and he plays uh, Jimmy Jimmy Dix. Um, and he was banned from professional football because he gambled. And uh, after, essentially, they get into this brawl together, uh, just Joe decides to wait outside for Corey. He gets attacked by some thugs, gets taken away, and then uh, what does he do? Joe finds a way out of it. And uh, then he notices that uh, Jimmy and Corey leave the bar in separate cars. Corey actually gets hit from behind. She gets murdered. And uh, and that's when uh, Jimmy and Joe like basically start to work together and uh, to kind of solve her murder. And, uh, and then the fun begins. So essentially when they get to Corey's house, they discover that there's this uh, senator. His name's Senator uh, Bernard, or Baynard. And uh, he's currently the chairman of the Senate Commission. Um, and his whole purpose is to investigate gambling and professional sports. Now, you think this is a football movie, but it's not. Uh, football is a very, very small plot of this film. Very little football is in this film. So if you think this is a football movie, you're completely wrong. There's maybe seven or eight minutes of football in the whole entire film. So just so you know, this is essentially about gambling and, you know, and uh, just murder. And it's just just a good old cop film. And uh, they soon discover that uh, that the senator is being bribed by the Los Angeles football team owner, Sheldon, or a.k.a. Shelly Marcone, and uh, Corey actually had learned of the men's agreement and tried using her knowledge uh, as leverage, uh, basically kind of blackmail to let Jimmy return to football, uh, you know, which of course prompted the murder uh, of Corey. So the, now there's this tape evidence that unfortunately gets destroyed uh, in, in uh, Joe's car because he has a piece of crap um, tape recorder which is or tape player, which is pretty funny. And uh, then he gets these two thugs, two hitmen, and uh, essentially um, does a trick, blows the dudes up, 
and uh, and it saves him and Jimmy's life, which I'll go over in just a little bit. So after that's all done, they realize they have no evidence left, but they got to get some evidence. So after, you know, they get the whole police interrogation thing, Joe decides that he's going to go home and uh, and see his daughter, which is played by the awesome Daniel Harris, which you know my love of Daniel Harris from the Halloween films, Halloween 4 or 5. Um, and she is definitely an interesting character in this film. So very rude, which I'll get into, but um, there's actually a, a fallout between Joe and uh, and Jimmy because Joe finds that uh, Jimmy was doing some drugs in his bathroom, kicks him out, and Darian actually asks him to sign a football, um, you know, this football card uh, because he knows um, that her dad is uh you know jimmy's his hero and he's after he got punched in the face he's like does your dad you know punch all of his heroes and the cool thing is he signed it to the daughter of the last boy scout which you're probably wondering how did this title come about well i'll get there in just a little bit how we get the whole title of the last boy scout and how that comes into play so the thing uh, where things get really crazy is is that uh there's actually a lot of stuff that's going on in this film but it's still easy to follow so um, the police learning that Mike, uh, the guy that blew up, had an affair with Joe's wife, they decide that Joe had to have killed Mike for revenge, and they try to basically go and arrest him. Uh, but, of course, Marcone, Shelley Marcone, has his top henchman, which is Milo, hilarious dude. And uh, and Milo, he, he's a total, total badass. But essentially, um, the plan is to capture capture Joe, and uh, and essentially, um, they want to kill the senator because he was too expensive to bribe. So they want to set Joe up to take the fall, you know, kind of frame him, so to speak. And uh, and, and there's a suitcase that's going to be delivered to the senator by his own bodyguard. Uh, but they want to take pictures of Joe giving the suitcase to the bodyguard. And that's how they're going to frame him kind of thing. Well, of course... A chaos ensues, and and Joe and Jimmy and, and Darian actually shows up at one point, uh, which is a really cool scene. They all get away. So the the basic at the end of the film, the big thing is they got to get to the senator. But you know Joe is wanted for murder because there's a cop that dies that you know Milo uh, used um, Joe's fingerprints on his gun to kill the cop. So the cops are after Joe because they think he's a cop killer. So you know it's crazy and of course and uh and the good thing is is that at the end all is well and uh and and they you know joe gets back together with his wife and uh marcone blows up because he gets the wrong suitcase and uh and then we get damon waynes and bruce willis gonna work together as partners at the end of the film we never get a sequel unfortunately but this film's flipping awesome so that's essentially the plot of what happened in the film so let's go ahead and get through the good stuff of this film because there is plenty of it. Now, before I get into the good stuff, you're probably wondering why isn't this movie so big? So there's probably a lot of you out there that haven't seen this film. And if you haven't seen this film, shame on you. But really, uh, at the time, there was this record price that was paid for the screenplay by, Sean, uh, by Shane Black. It was $1.75 million, uh, $1. million was paid for this screenplay. Now Roger Ebert, he actually gave the film three stars. He said it was a superb example of what it is, a glossy, skillful, cynical, smart, utterly corrupt 
uh, action thriller. Um, the the film basically got a forty three percent around tomatoes, and what the what they think the problem is is the fact of um, the film came out around Christmas time, and for such a violent film is probably the reason for its uh, depressing um, box office success. However, it did help Bruce Willis recover because he had previously started Hudson Hawk, which was a total bomb and uh, and kind of, you know, kind of made Bruce Willis uh, a king again. Now, I love this film. Um, I've always loved this film ever since I was a kid. I've laughed hysterically. I've been a lifetime. I mean, this is probably the movie that solidified my love for Bruce Willis. You know, Die Hard was awesome, but once I saw this, I was like, this guy is hilarious. This guy is awesome. If I want to be a cop, I want to be a cop like this guy. Now, granted, you know, I love the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. I love Axel Foley, but Bruce Willis is just awesome. And, and here's the thing. Bruce Willis is so down and out in this film. He's very cold, you know, kind of, uh, he's just real cold hearted. You know, one of the running gags in this film is, uh, he's always called a bastard, and he always says, and then some, after he said that. It happens quite a few times in this film, and that's essentially Joe. He's just uh, he's just an all-out, uh, depressed, uh, very, you know, think John, McC- John McClane in Die Hard 3, but like 50% more depressed is essentially the character you have here. So when the movie starts off, we get this awesome logo, which, you know me, I love logos. And the last Boy Scout has this awesome logo. I just love the writing of Boy Scout. It looks pretty sick. It's pretty good stuff. Uh, and, you know, they got this whole, uh, you know, Friday night, great night for football song that plays in the beginning of the credits. So you're kind of thinking that this is, uh, you kind of think it's a football film. But most of all, you feel like you're watching, you know, football on TV with the with the song and stuff, which is pretty cool. I like how I like how they do that. And, uh, you know, Milo calls Billy Blanks, which Billy Blanks, I love that guy. He doesn't do any martial arts in this film. Very low-key, only has, like, maybe a a two-minute part. But, you know, Milo, he's the first person that you hear, uh, you know, on the phone. And uh, he eventually would become this awesome bad guy. Uh, He's one of my favorite bad guys. He's very good times. Um, And the the guy that plays Milo... Does an excellent job. And Milo has this thing where he calls you by your full name. So instead of Joe, he calls you Joseph. Instead of Jimmy, he calls you James. And there's a running gag about that. Uh, he's called out on that later. But uh, Milo is really good. Um, now, when you first see Bruce Willis's character, Joe, uh, you know he's just in his car and he's laid out. He's all drunk. And I mean, these bunch of kids mess with him by throwing a dead squirrel into into his lap. And he doesn't even realize it because he's so trashed, which is uh, which is just kind of funny. Uh, it's supposed to immediately tell you the kind of character that we're dealing with here. Now, when uh, when Joe gets the call from Mike to basically take the job to be the bodyguard of Holly Berry, you know, one of the first funny lines is Mike asks him, "Do you have any plans?" He goes, "Well, I was thinking about smoking some cigarettes." Mike says, can you postpone? He says, well, these are some good cigarettes. Uh, it's some good stuff. And that's when Mike starts to go into his finger scale. He has this thing where, uh, you know, how many fingers he would cut off if God would let him have sex with this particular woman. So, you know, immediately you know that Mike is a very vulgar, uh, insensitive person. Uh, and, uh, and he talks about how he would cut off three of his fingers for uh, Corey, the girl that he has to... Uh, be a bodyguard too 
And of course, this whole finger thing will come into play when Joe finds out that Mike's sleeping with his wife. But uh, before that, we get to see, uh, we are introduced to Damon Wayne's character, Jimmy. And immediately you see him, um, he just got done. Uh, you can tell he's like in a hotel room or something, and there's a there's a girl sleeping there. Uh, and he starts to take some, it looks like drugs. So immediately you kind of know uh, when you find out uh, the next scene that he, that, that woman that was in his bed is not actually Corey, his girlfriend. You kind of know he's sleeping around. Uh, so he may not be the greatest character in the world. One thing about this film is the characters are flawed, which is really a cool way because, you know, a lot of these movies, they try to have your, your copy, you know, Mr. Perfect or not flawed. Everybody in this film is flawed, which is really cool. It kind of makes it more realistic. I mean, granted, this is an off the wall, crazy action film, but it has a lot of heart to it, which is really cool. And it tries to be as uh, try to as grounded as it can. And the way it grounds you is by telling you how flawed your characters are, which is definitely a good way of uh, of making you think uh, and make you believe what you're actually watching on screen. So when we're introduced to Joe's wife, um, you know, and I like to call her Tila because I know her from Masters of the Universe. You know, they start to have a conversation about their daughter, how, uh, you know, she's going to be sleeping around when she turns when she turns like 13. She wears too much makeup and they immediately start to fight. Well, that's when he realizes that there's a toilet up and he accuses her of who's the guy in the closet. And then we get this whole great scene of, uh, you know, he finds out Mike's doing it and he throws the how is my wife on your finger scale and uh and you would think that he would shoot him but instead joe shoots the uh picture of him and his wife and when he goes outside you know he's like how long we've been friends and uh, he's like roughly until you started banging my wife and he says had her gut which i never understood what he said uh when i was younger but now obviously i do he's trying to say do you want to get punched in the face or do you want to get punched in the stomach for what you did? And of course, he says gut gets punched in the stomach, and he's uh, Mike's kind of shocked that Joe wants to still take the job to protect Corey, and he's like, you know, five hundred bucks is five hundred bucks. So, uh, and then the next scene, he blows up, you know, and uh, and his wife actually thinks that it was Joe inside the car, and, uh, and this is a really good scene because this is where uh, this scene will pay off later. When uh, they start to argue and, uh, you know, she's basically telling him why she slept around on him, that he's never around. And, uh, you know, what do you want me to say? F you, Sarah. You know, yeah, it would show that you still have some pride in yourself. You know, if the cops weren't here, I'd spit in your face, you know, and he's like, buy a dog because she says that she was lonely. And he's like, well, why don't you just buy a dog or something? So there's definitely a lot of uh, attention. And I mean, of course, they, they're going through a hard time. But uh, it definitely is a very tense scene, which will, uh, will, which will pay off at the very end of the film. But, uh, you know, you think that he hates his wife. But, you know, later on in the film, he's going to talk about how, unfortunately, he wishes that he still didn't love his wife. Now, when we see Damon Wayne's character, Jimmy, uh, when he's first together with, um, with Halle Berry, Corey, they talk, uh, you know, he says Alex, the astronaut, which you don't really get the reference of who they're talking about. But essentially, um, Alex was his, uh, his newborn son. See, originally, while he was having the best game of his life, his wife and son were dying 
in a hospital. And uh, he lived about eight minutes in an incubator, long enough to have one dream, and then he died. So he calls his son Alex and always says he's an accountant or an astronaut because he likes to think of what his son would have grown up to be, which is really touching, uh, really sympathetic to the character. Even though you know that he's cheating on his girlfriend, you're still feeling that this guy is in a lot of pain. He's really confused. He doesn't really know... He's just in a really dark place, which is uh, which is definitely an interesting way to uh, to do your two your two main but you know good guys. You know, one is a, a down and out private detective, and the other one is a is a cheating you know drug using ex football player. But they're your heroes of the film. You know, it's really interesting how uh, how they play this off. But the but it's pulled off perfectly because by the end of the film, you love both of them. You know they've saved the day, and uh, and they and they've changed by the end of the film, which you know I'll get into the details in just a little bit. But you know for the first twenty minutes, you realize the kind of characters that you're dealing with, which is uh, which is definitely interesting, and not a lot of cop films, you know, does this. I mean, Lethal Weapon, yeah, you know, you had Riggs uh, as your dark character, but Murtaugh. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't dark like him, you know, and this time you have both, you know, so it's kind of interesting. Now, when they first meet uh, Joe and uh, and Jimmy, uh, there's this funny thing about uh, they're in a bar. Uh, and this is where Joe wants to meet Corey. And, uh, you know, Jimmy says, who's that stiff over there? And she goes, oh, that's nobody. So when he goes up to him, he says, hi, you're nobody. And they start to have this argument and eventually turns to where, um, you know, you couldn't uh, protect a warm, a warm cup of piss. And he throws, the, he kisses these uh, uh, ice cubes and throws it at him. And they get into this fight when he realizes, you know, when Jimmy realizes Joe knows who he is and says that, well, at least I didn't waste my talent on coke. They get into a fight, and his his uh, his drink gets spilled over. He goes, "You just spilled my warm glass of piss," you know. And that's kind of where the one-liners really start to take off in the film is after they meet. Uh, but it's definitely funny. I mean, a lot of good funny tension in this scene. And uh, and there's this running thing that Joe says. He says, "You know, uh, water is wet, the sky is blue." So uh, the first time you hear it, he says, you know, women have secrets. Water is wet. The sky is blue. Women have secrets. Who gives an F? You know, and then he'll eventually say that line again later. He says this line about three times, but he changes it every time, which is cool. So now um, another interesting scene that I really enjoy is you actually start to see what's up with Joe when you realize that, uh, you know, he's all got a suit on. He's got clean cut hair. And you start to realize that the senator was beating up a girl. And uh, you kind of figure out that's kind of how he got fired from being a cop. And uh, that's when he gets hit over the head and, you know, he's going to be basically killed. So the way that Joe gets out of it is he starts to tell, you know, your wife's too fat jokes to the guy that's going to kill him. And, of course, the guy, he's like, would you stop with the wife jokes? And, of course, he tells some real funny ones. But... You know, I cannot repeat them on the podcast, of course. Now, there is one funny part that I really enjoy. Um, and this is before, um, this was right before the meeting between Jimmy and uh, and Joe was uh, when they're in the bathtub together. And she's like, if uh, Halle Berry says, if I were a cat, I'd purr. Which is so funny because, you know, she later on becomes that crappy Catwoman version but when I heard that I just started laughing hysterically I thought it was just priceless 
So, um, you know, after, you know, after Joe gets out of, uh, you know, of telling the wife jokes to basically be able to set himself free, uh, and there's just this big old car explosion and, you know, they go to the cops and we get this whole funny joke about, uh, the $600 leather pants when Joe just kind of looks at, uh, you know, looks at Jimmy and, and says, um, those leather pants. And he goes, yeah, how much are those? He goes six fifty, six hundred fifty dollars. He goes for pants. He goes, yeah. He goes, do they come with the TV? You know, because six hundred fifty dollar pants are, you know, kind of ridiculous. And uh, and it's really funny joke that really starts the chemistry off really well. And uh, eventually he eventually uh, he'll eventually go into how if he dies, you know, I, I get your six hundred fifty dollar pants. So when uh, Jimmy convinces Joe to let him work with them because he's the only one that knows how to get into Corey's apartment because, you know, he circumvented the, uh, the security system, uh, you know, and of course all he does is just break the door open with his foot and he gets in. Now, I've used this line plenty of times, especially when I was a kid. Uh, you know, Joe will ask Jimmy, where are you going? He goes, I'm going to the bathroom. Uh, you want to help? Doctor said I can't lift nothing heavy. I mean, it's really, it's really a bad joke, but I laugh hysterically every time I hear it. I definitely have used it in my childhood, uh, adolescent days. Uh, you know, I've taken a lot of lines from this film and definitely used them, uh, which I probably shouldn't have, especially as young as I was when I saw this, but it was definitely one of my favorite lines from the film. Now, we all remember tape players, or at least some of us do. Uh, I definitely remember, um, with tapes, do you remember when, uh, at least this happened for me, and I'll, I'll never forget this, this was the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack. I bought a cassette, and uh, and one thing I, I didn't learn at the time is you had to wind the tape, which when you, first, when you took a, a cassette tape that was sealed, uh, there would always be a little bit of the of the tape that was loose and you actually had to take your finger and tighten it up because if you didn't your tape player would eventually eat your tape and the first night I stuck the Ghostbusters 2 soundtrack into my Walkman within about an hour my Walkman had eaten the tape and then I had to go buy a new one so I learned after that that you had to wind the tape before you played it first so this whole scene of the you know fast forward eats the tape it's just hysterical to me because just imagine, you know, back back then tapes we thought were so great because they weren't 8-track. And uh, now look at it. We have digital music. I mean, we can't even see it. You know, it's just on our players and on our, com- on our computers. They're not discs. They're not tape players. They're just, uh, they're just digital. So hard to believe what, what technology is going to be in another 20 years. You know, it's kind of scary. So, you know, after the fast forward eats the tape, which is their their evidence, which proves that, you know, the whole senator and Shelley Marcone. So we get the two thugs. And and I love these thugs because, uh, you know, this one guy's like, shut up, F face. He goes, ah, that's F face. I'm a hole, you know, and then they hit him and they hit Joe in the face and uh, they start to talk some more words. And he goes, great, we're getting beat up by the guy who invented Scrabble. You know, I mean, this whole scene is hysterical, uh, just getting beat up by this guy that has all these big words. And, and the one-liners from Joe are hysterical. And then, of course, when the car blows up, uh, that's when, uh, you know, Jimmy says, was that a bomb in there? And he goes, "It was one. if it wasn't, it was one hell of a factory leak. Uh, one hell of a factory recall and he goes Jimmy goes dead guys don't make bad jokes do they 
and uh, that's when uh, you know Jimmy's able to take off, uh, you know, not take the heat, and then uh, that's when you start to find out what's up with Joe. That uh, you know he took a bullet for the president uh, at one point, and uh, that's kind of what started his uh, you know going down going down the tubes because his boss knows he's a really good cop. But, uh, you know, really, he's just kind of washed up at this point. And, uh, you know, when he's all released from the police station, that's when Jimmy's just sitting outside and he's just, you know, hey, we need to get some new evidence. And that's when uh, that's when Joe says, you know, this is uh, this is real flash. He, he has this thing where he calls him flash, which I just love. I think it's great. He goes, you know, this is real guns, real bullets. It's real dangerous. And then Jimmy's like, dangerous, my middle name. He goes, mine's Cornelius. You tell anybody and I'll kill you. I used to use that all the time. Even though my middle name isn't Cornelius, I always used to do that just so I could say that line. It was always hysterical. So we get to where they're going to go to the house where Joe lives, where we're first going to go meet Daniel Harris. And I love this whole line where uh, he gets out of the car and Jimmy tells Joe, he goes, um, I, f- I feel like a rolled hard and put away wet. And he's like, what the hell does that mean? He goes, it's horse talk, man. He goes, they got the brothers riding a horse now? He goes, yeah, man, cars are too uh, too hard to steal. And uh, and he goes, hey, I could be good for your daughter. And he goes, she's 13 years old, and if you even look at her wrong, I'll stick an umbrella up your ass and open it. I mean, it's hilarious. I mean, that's something I definitely would say as a father uh, to, you know, some dude trying to take out my daughter. But I just love it. It's hysterical. It's some good times. So good old Daniel Harris. Now, I love Daniel Harris. I've loved her ever since Halloween 4. You know, she's Jamie Lloyd. Uh, she was unfortunately in the Rob Zombie trash Halloween 1 and 2. But she was definitely the shining light uh, in a puddle of garbage uh, in that movie. And uh, in, in this film, you know, Daniel Harris, she has braces, which I which I think are actually real. You could tell this takes place a little bit after Halloween 5 is probably how old she is. And, uh, and she's got, you know, she just calls her dad an a-hole and she's got all these choice words because he won't let her go to the dance, you know, go out with her friends. And, and, uh, she starts to rip on Jimmy about how, what's the number on the back of your head? Is that a license plate so nobody will steal you? I mean, she's got all these horrible, nasty comments that she says, uh, but you know, it's definitely good times because you start to get the family drama uh, you know, the the mom comes in and tells her to just basically stop and and go to bed. And uh, that's when you find out about Jimmy, how, uh, you know, Jimmy will go to this picture and say, boy, you were a real Boy Scout, weren't you? know, he goes, that's you. You know, look at you looking all sharp. And that's when uh, that's when Joe says, yeah, I was a real Boy Scout. So that's where you get the whole last Boy Scout starts to come in, how, you know, he was, uh, you know, he took a bullet for the president and then he kind of got all washed up. And then we get a really great scene about how Jimmy starts to talk about what happened to his wife and his son after talking about who Alex is. Really good emotional scene. I mean, obviously, you probably won't cry from it at all. But it's definitely an emotional scene. It's definitely, um, it keeps your attention there. Uh, you start to learn more about Jimmy and why he is the way he is. And then, of course, we get our big fight, which is where, you know, he's addicted to pain pills he just he doesn't he hates pain he admitted that he's addicted to pain pills and then joe catches them and, and punches them out and uh and then we get uh, even more you know drama and then of course we get darian which will catch him outside and just say hey i'm sorry i was such a jerk to you 
and uh, you know you're my dad's hero and uh and he stopped watching football after you got busted and he's like does your dad punch all of his heroes and then he signs the card to the daughter of the last boy scout which is pretty awesome now there is one scene that i forgot to mention uh and this is before joe and uh, Jimmy get into their fight. Uh, he does the whole, uh, you know, he asks him, are you and your wife going to get divorced? And he says, you know, water, I wish water wasn't wet. I wish the sky wasn't blue. And I wish I still didn't love my wife. You know, so it's that famous line from before, just said in a different way. So you know that uh, Joe definitely loves his wife. Now, when Joe actually punched Jimmy in the face and told him to leave, that's when Jimmy had called him a bastard and he's like, and then some. You know, that's the first time that you hear him uh, say that line. Now, um, after the whole situation where, you know, he gets punched out and, uh, and Darian gets her card signed, we get kind of a funny scene, which uh, I definitely love, where, uh, you know, Milo's dudes, uh, I like to say his henchmen, go up to Jimmy and uh, and he starts to say, this is the guy. And he goes, look, I can't tell which one of you guys looks the most like my, you know, and you get where I'm going with that. And uh, it's hilarious. I just laugh hysterically every time I hear that. And they pick up Jimmy and they throw him off of a bridge and he lands backwards on top of a car, breaking the mirror. Now, you know, hypothetically, if this was to happen in real life, probably wouldn't happen. He'd either be paralyzed or killed or, or whatever. And but what's funny about this scene is the fact that he says Super Dave. Now, I don't know about you, but I remember this guy in uh, Super Dave. He used to be on Showtime. It was a ridiculous, stupid stunt show, and this guy was real corny. Uh, I remember him. He called himself Super Dave. It was really dumb, but it was just a good nostalgia hearing the name again when he's like, there's me. And there's Super Dave, you know, and then he passes out because he's saying how he's a trained professional and don't try this at home. But it was definitely funny hearing, you know, there's me and then there's Super Dave. So if any of you out there remember that show, Super Dave, you know, you've definitely been around the block because uh, it's definitely an old show. And then we get to Milo up close and personal. And, and I'll tell you, Milo's hilarious. You know, it, he uses this, uh, you know, this stun gun uh, and then uh, basically says, good morning, Joseph. So as uh, as Joe is all, you know, out and they're going to pull him in the car, uh, the police officer shows up. And this is the police officer that actually shook his hand earlier in the film and just say, hey, I just want to say thank you for what you did to the president. But he's there basically to pick up Joe because, you know, his boss has put together that Joe killed Milo. So this is how you know Milo is a bad guy because immediately when the police officer comes up and he says, hello, gentlemen, is there a problem? And he goes, yes, there, yes, there is, officer. Apparently, there are too many bullets in this gun. And then he blows his head off. So, I mean, immediately you know that Milo is definitely a bad guy that you don't want to mess with, even though he's funny by the way he says, you know, hello, Joseph. But he's definitely one of those bad guys that you're like, okay, this guy's serious. Now, this next scene is awesome, and this is the one where Joe, uh, he's still he's still out. Uh, he's having, uh, he's kind of remembering when he was shot, and then he sees Darian in the hospital. He gets slapped in the face, and, uh, you know, he, he wakes up. He almost breaks the guy's hand. He's like, uh, you know, can I have a cigarette? Dude gives him a cigarette, punches him in the face. Joe says, touch me again, and I'll kill you. And what does he do? He, he's like, can I have another one? Because I dropped my cigarette. Goes to give him a cigarette. Punches him again in the face. What does Joe do? He sticks his nose through his brain and says, I told you. Uh, it is so good because then we see Shelly Marcone. And, uh, you know, and Milo is just basically saying, you know, um, 
let me introduce myself and Joe is just like who gives an F who you are? You're the bad guy, right? Yes, I'm the bad guy. And he goes, I'm supposed to be trembling in fear, right? He goes, yes. He goes, okay, I'll start trembling in a minute. I mean, that's, you know, the cool cat that you got here with Joe. It's just, the guy is just awesome. I mean, he just doesn't care. You know, he's just like, he's cool. I mean, he is basically, when you take cool, calm, and collective, you got a picture of Joe next to that word. I mean, it's just, I mean, or a bunch of words. He's just awesome. So, you know, when we get Shelly Marcone that basically tells him what's going on, the whole, you know, plot of the series, you know, a whole plot of what's going on with the gambling and, and how he's going to frame them and all this fun stuff. So that's when we pretty much get to the last half hour of the film where things start to get really, really fun. Now, Jimmy has to come to the rescue, basically, and he calls this uh, he calls this lady up, and one of the funny things he says to her is that, you're not a fat baby, you're just a whole lot of woman. I mean, it's the way he says it is just priceless. Uh, I, I highly recommend that, uh, that you fellas use that line, because I'm sure that your woman would probably appreciate if you said that, so it could be for a good laugh, uh, but I definitely, I definitely love that. You know, he's trying to... You know, he's trying to, to go rescue Joe and uh, and then we get Daniel Harris shows up and she's got this this little pet uh, animal called Furry Tom. But of course, she brought her dad's gun with, which is really cool because this comes in handy when uh, when Jimmy finally realizes where Joe is because, you know, he's followed the bad guys. Uh, you know, Jimmy comes to the rescue. And one of the funny things that happens during kind of the, this big, crazy action sequence is, you know, Milo. Uh, is talking to Joe and, and, you know, trying to tell him how he's going to frame him. And Joe tells him to go F himself. And he goes, you know, uh, he's like, that's not nice. And he goes, just once I want to hear you scream in pain. And Joe's like, play some rap music. And then that's when uh, Jimmy shows up. He goes, hey, Flash, rescue attempt. He's like, blow me. He goes, you must be James. And then he's like, James. And he goes, he does that with everybody. He calls me Joseph, which I mean is flipping hysterical because you know you get the you get the joke of Milo calling everybody by their full appropriate you know full first name, which is absolutely hilarious. But uh, you know um, Darian comes to the rescue with Furry Tom. You know they're about ready to kill Joe and Jimmy, and she shows up and uh, she's like, "Here, Mister, you know why don't you make him talk?" You know, and you don't really get it at first why she showed up and is trying to make him talk. Uh, with the puppet but you realize that the gun is inside the puppet so as joe is telling these funny jokes he's able to shoot the dudes in the head and they're able to get away and uh and we get a good good car chase scene um kind of like die hard 3 you know you kind of get the die hard-esque of uh of this car scene really good stuff that the chase lasts for as for, I don't know, maybe a good seven minutes or so. It's really hot. You know, it's really action-packed. It's some good times. And then after that's over, uh, Jimmy makes a comment about how you must be the dumbest guy in the world because you're trying to save the life of the guy that ruined your career and you're trying to avenge the guy that effed your wife. You know, uh, kind of hilarious, but essentially that sums up the whole plot of the film is how Joe is, you know, essentially trying to save the life of the guy that ruined his career, which was the senator, because, you know, if you didn't figure out by now, but Joe walked in when the senator was raping a girl and that's how he got fired and how he had to become a private detective. And then, you know, Mike is the guy that, you know, that screwed his wife. So that's essentially the, you know, that's essentially Joe in a nutshell. So it's kind of funny. 
Now, we get another car scene, uh, and this is because they are trying to stop the bomb from getting to the uh, to get to the stadium. So it's a really good car scene. I mean, there's a bunch of jokes where Jimmy tells him, you know, Joe, if you go any faster, we're going to go back in time. And he's like, uh, you know, Jimmy starts to write uh, how there's going to be how there's a bomb in the car and he starts to draw uh, draw this bomb and, and Joe's just like that looks like a bunch of fruit and then when uh, when he puts it up to the glass and he gets shot Joe makes a funny comment about I forgot to tell you bomb means F you in Polish you know uh, but anyways it's a really good scene the only dumb part of the whole entire movie and we've got I mean we're probably out a, a good hour hour and 10 minutes in um the stunt man shows up and this is where joe has to shoot the guy uh underneath the bridge and then jump off you could totally tell it's a stunt man i mean back back then they didn't really do a good job of covering up the stunt men unfortunately uh you know true lies is definitely guilty of uh bad covering up stuntmen but this one's pretty bad i mean even the stuntman has to run for bruce willis which bruce willis could easily run uh instead of having the the stunt guy do it so that's kind of the first bad scene of the film is really this whole sequence of trying to get uh you know shoot the car up so they can get the briefcase back you really can tell it's the stuntman which is an unfortunate event so now, uh, one really cool trick, or, or I should say, um, item that Joe finds after he's able to stop uh, the vehicle and and take the bomb is uh, he finds these shredders. Uh, they're essentially like these little um, black. They kind of look like uh, you know the old school when you put your film in to get developed. They look like one of those the the black film that goes in the cameras. That's essentially what it looks like. And of course, if it gets exposed to fire, it blows up, sets everything on fire for like a good five feet, I believe they say. And uh, and this next scene is really good because this is the confrontation uh, to to Shelley Marcone because you find out Milo's kidnapped Darian. And uh, and they have no choice but to go to uh, to go see Shelley to get her back. And uh, and this is a really great scene about how uh, you know the tape that was previously eaten in the tape player that you know they have that. And uh, and uh, it's it's a really great scene. You know, a lot of tension builds up in the scene. And of course, by the end of it, they realize they're out of options, and the only thing for them to do is to throw the shredder into the fire, blow up the dudes, and get out. So, excellent scene. And the scene's effective because Jimmy gets shot in the hand because Shelly knows the fact of he can't deal with pain, so he shoots him in the hand. You know, he talks about, you know, killing Corey. So, it's just, that's one of the reasons why it works is because of the fact of, you know, our heroes are in total danger. And he goes... Uh, when he throws, when he says he has the key to the money and he throws in a fire, he goes, that's one of those new plastic keys, the kinds that shred. And that's when he knows to get down. So, I mean, that's why the scene is so effective. But what's really cool is he goes, uh, when they actually show up to the stadium to go save the senator, uh, Jimmy notices that the car next to him where they parked is uh, is Shelly Marcone's car. And what does he do? He does the thing that we would all love to do that we probably never got a chance to do as teenagers. And if you did do it as a teenager, you either A, got busted, or B, you got away with it, but you feel extremely guilty. And that's the fact that he keyed his car. So now essentially the climax of the film is, uh, you know, Jimmy and Joe, uh, you know, Jimmy goes on the football field 
to get the senator's attention. So he uses a football, hits him in the face. Now, I haven't talked about the senator, but the senator is actually in the next film that I'm going to review, which is Major League. Uh, he was Harris. He was the he was the older guy that was all about, you know, uh, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior uh, to Serrano? And then they get into the Holy War battle, which is a great epic scene in that film. But uh, that old guy in Major League is the guy who's the senator in this film. And uh, so Jimmy throws the the football in his face to get his attention because Milo is up on top of the lights about to blow his brains out, and uh, and Jimmy hits him right in the face at the perfect time, and then Milo and uh, and Joe fight, and Milo had previously hit him, and of course Joe said he touched me again, I'll kill you. So this is the point where Joe's actually able to say, you know, I told you, you touched me again, I'll kill you, and we get an epic scene, and this is where he knocks Milo off of the lights, and there's a helicopter below. Yep, you guessed it. Milo falls into the propeller and explodes into a million pieces, and it's absolutely hilarious. Now he had told um, he told Jimmy earlier in the film that if he survives this, he's going to dance the jig. Which you may know what the jig is, but essentially Joe dances the jig in front of all these people, and uh, and of course he you know he saves the day. Uh, his name gets cleared, and one of the funny things is is Darian earlier in the film. Uh, her character, uh, instead of uh, Santa Claus, uh, she would draw Satan Claus, which as a kid, I always said, well, if you just switch the uh, the N and the A around, you got Satan anyways, because that's how you spell Santa is the same way you spell Satan. So I was always on that Satan Claus kick as well as a kid. So it's kind of funny reminiscing about it. But I love when he goes, tell me about this Satan Claus. And Darian's like, you know about him too? And, uh, and that's when we get... Uh, the the meeting between his uh, his wife uh, and uh, and Joe and uh, and she's just like I'm sorry I'm so sorry please forgive me and what's really cool is this whole movie has not broken the fourth wall but all Joe does is he just looks at the camera uh, he looks at us kind of like should I forgive her or not you know and he just kind of shakes his head like no I can't forgive you and then he says f you Sarah. And then she, he smiles, so she smiles, and then they hug. She's crying and says, you know, F you, Sarah, you know, uh, you're a lion B. If, you know, if cops weren't here, I'd spit in your face, uh, which is great because, you know, she says I'd buy, I'll buy a dog. So their relationship gets, gets mended together. They become, you know, uh, of course, they're going to take it one day at a time. But uh, the, the family gets back together because by the end, Darian, uh, she starts to swear and he's like, you know, watch your mouth. And she and she's like, come on, dad. And that's when the mom now will be on Joe's side and say, you heard your father, watch your mouth. And then she's like, yes, sir. And he goes, I like that. And uh, and so you can tell that, the you know, after this film that the family is uh, is. You know they got a solid stone now that they're building their relationship on again. Uh, they're all they're all on the same page this time instead of how it was previously. And then it pretty much ends with uh, him saying, "You know, Flash, I need a partner." And he goes, "You know, I don't know if I could be a detective." He goes, "Ah, oh, it's that easy. You know, it's the '90s. You got to do something cool. You know, you got to say something awesome before you hit somebody. Like, you know, if you're surfing, you hit him with a surfboard. Say, surf's up, pal." You know, and then of course he finished it off by saying, you know, uh, the water's wet, sky is blue, and that Satan Claus, he's out there getting stronger every day. You gotta be prepared, son. You gotta be prepared. And then, and then the movie's over. So, uh, so yeah, it's a flipping awesome movie. 
Uh, I love it. You know, unfortunately, I didn't get to say all the one-liners that I wanted to say, but uh, there's just so much good stuff that happens in this film. And uh, as far as the star rating, you know, I definitely would give it a very strong four and a half you know you know the the stuntman scene you know it it hurts it a little bit but overall though uh it's definitely a very fun uh action-packed the one-liners are excellent uh it's just amazing um but unfortunately it uh it's never it's never hit the appeal uh die hard ever did not a lot of people know about this film but uh, I absolutely love the film. I, I think it's great. Uh, you know, as far as uh, a perfect score, uh, at this point, you know, outside of the whole noticing the stuntman, I mean, I probably could give it a weak five stars. But for me, it's hands down a very, very strong four and a half stars. Uh, for me to give it five stars, I'd have to think about was there really any issues? But I've seen it so many times, and uh, and I always get the same excitement. I still laugh at the same jokes. I still love the same scenes. Uh, it's just a very, very good, fun time. So uh, great, great film. I absolutely love it. So that is what I have for the review, guys, of The Last Boy Scout. So let's go into and hear what the STL Nation had to say. Right, STL Nation, it is email time. And I'll tell you, I'm a little bit disappointed in you. I didn't get a lot of emails for this episode. Now, I know this may not be a famous Bruce Willis movie. To me, it is. I figured everybody's seen this film. You know, usually I get like five or six from you guys, but I only got a few this time. But you know it is what it is. So hopefully on the next uh, movie I'm doing, Major League, I'll be recording that in two days on Thursday. So go check it out. And then email sweepdelaypodcast.yahoo.com and Major League. Uh, the greatest comedy of sports ever. I mean, the movie's just amazing. It's awesome. So uh, our first email comes from Cheerful Charlie. Now, this is about the last episode I did, which most of you did not hear, which was the WrestleMania episode. This is just a quick email in regards to it. He says, uh, "I just uh, it just surprised me when I found out that The Rock beat John Cena. From what I heard, they were planning... Uh, that Gina was favor uh, that Cena was favored to win. Glad to rock one. Uh, thanks, Charlie. Uh, cheerful Charlie for writing on that. Now, um, if you didn't know from the last episode, um, I actually had picked Cena to win just because The Rock has Hollywood. He's got uh, Pain and Gain. He's gonna go. He's filming right now. You know, John Cena only has wrestling. Uh, but it was in The Rock's hometown. But evidently, what they uh, what happened is is John. Uh, you know, The Rock won, and then the next night at Raw, he said he was gonna do the impossible. He had a vision, and his vision was. That uh, not only is he going to be a full-time movie star, but he will one day again be the WWE champion. And uh, and that's what his goal is, is to, uh, when he's not making a movie, on his spare time, go back to the ring and become the champion one more time. So, um, so thank you, Charlie, for writing in on that. And uh, we actually have another email. Now, this one is not 
uh, Last Boy Scout related, but it comes from Top Gun Jason. We haven't heard from him in a while, but if you guys don't know, there's the STL Nation Randomness Group. Uh, it's been going really good. Uh, we've had a lot of people. Um, you know, we got about 22 members now, and uh, and Top Gun Jason is definitely one of the guys that helps to participate in all the everyday discussions. So I definitely appreciate. Uh, all of your comments, sir, you're always hilarious to talk to good times. And this is about Friday the 13th. He says, say Holmes, I'm pumped. This Friday, I will be attending a Friday the 13th marathon at the Alamo Draft House in Houston. They are starting with Friday the 13th in the original film they showed in the theaters in 1980. Then Friday the 13th Part 2, followed by Part 3 in 3D. It's going to be some good times. Sorry you can't make it, but I'll throw back a Coca-Cola for you. Take care, buddy best jason uh top gun jason so uh sir please make that a pepsi uh, i'm not a coca-cola fan coca-cola's best product is mellow yellow so if you could throw anything back for me please make it a pepsi sir that would be awesome i'm very excited sir that is awesome you're gonna go see a friday the 13th marathon uh i i can't wait to hear how bad the 3d is for part three because it's some crazy wire work going on that one so uh let me get your thoughts sir send them in so thank you top gun jason glad to have you right back in sir it's been a while since uh since we heard from you so uh good to hear from you and then uh, our last email comes from uh sebastian and uh and he said hello sweep the with uh sweep yeah excuse me hello sweep the lake i gave the last boy scout 3.99 stars out of five so uh unfortunately that's all he has to say he doesn't give his um thoughts on uh on why he feels it's a uh you know almost four star out of five um maybe it was just an incomplete uh incomplete email but uh, if it wasn't thanks for emailing in sebastian appreciate it and then our last email and certainly not least is john the music man and uh and he says hello sir and stl nation the last boy scout is awesome this is a five-star movie for me so many great one-liners uh i was already a fan of damon waynes from the tv show in living color but after this i was a super fan i wish him and bruce willis did another film together uh well so many great quotes i can't list them all but here are some of my favorites water is wet the sky is blue women have secrets who gives enough uh, this is the 90s. You don't just go around punching people. You got to say something cool first. Okay, what would Joe do? Uh, he'd shoot everybody and smoke some cigarettes. Uh, you think you are so freaking cool. You think you're so cool. Just once I want to hear you scream in pain. Play some rap music. This movie is a must watch for anyone who likes good action buddy cop flicks. This is John the Music Man putting the headphones back on and listening to some current music. Iron Maiden, classic metal. Well, thank you, John the Music Man. I'll tell you, I am very close to giving it five stars because I love this film. I, I really don't know anything that I don't like about it outside the stuntman thing, but, uh, but good stuff. sir. you had some awesome, awesome picks there. So that's it guys. That is what the STL nation had to say, uh, this week. And, uh, we do actually have, uh, an iTunes review and, uh, and this iTunes review is, uh, really, really good. Um, uh, there's currently 12 uh, iTunes reviews, which the past month I went from 8 to 12, which that's a humongous thing to do in iTunes reviews. So thank you, everybody, so much who went out and uh, reviewed the show on iTunes. I really appreciate it. Any more would be spectacular. The more I get, the better off it is. Um, and this one uh, comes from Grumpy76. Now, 
Uh, I would think based on the name, uh, it would be kind of be a grumpy, um, grumpy uh, review. But here's what the review said. It says, excellent podcast. It says, this podcast has an excellent host. Now, normal podcasts only have one host. However, Masunas does an excellent job of breaking up the episodes with movie clips, jokes, songs, trailers, and his intros to certain episodes are a huge highlight. Well, thank you so much for that. You know, I definitely work hard on the intros. Uh, I try to do an intro on like a big movie. You know, if it's just a regular movie, like you noticed, um, or this one just had the regular Sweep Delay podcast intro. But, you know, for like Star Wars and Ghostbusters and Turtles, you know, I had to come up with, uh, well, not Turtles. I don't think I did that. But, you know, there's certain movies where I definitely got to create an intro for. So, um, thank you so much for noticing that. That's so cool. It's one of my favorite things that I love to do for the show. And, uh, and then the rest is, uh, I find myself, uh, loving the music spotlights, uh, which thank you so much for noticing that, you know, that's definitely one of the things that I love, you know, uh, Monday night, Jason, uh, just recently got into pillar, you know, after last week you heard, uh, not without a fight or the last episode and uh, went out and got, uh, got that CD and it turned out after he got all the other CDs, that one became his least favorite. You know, I got, uh, I got, uh, John, the music man in the pillar and skillet and 12 stones and, and it's just great. You know, that's the whole point is to uh, just share with you the music that you know I love and I dig and to have you go out and support the artist and buy their songs and hopefully you you can like a new song or a new artist after you hear a music spotlight so uh, thanks so much for recognizing that because I definitely love the music spotlight and uh, and the review goes on to say that there are sometimes art they are sometimes artists not normally known but after you hear the story and the reason behind picking the song you become a fan of the song instantly and seek out the band and buy their music uh, the co-hosts have been cool but the show is more solid and consistent when it's Masunas and Masunas only you know thanks for pointing that out you know I've definitely gotten feedback that the show is more consistent when it's just me you know I've had co-hosts in the past that you know they were on for a couple episodes and it didn't work out uh, you know I you know it's great when I have a co-host on you know when I had Tim on and, and Jason and stars and Ty, I mean, Ty's coming on for the star Wars, but he's not an official uh, co-host, you know, and Andrew was going to be an official co-host, but then it didn't kind of work out. So I definitely like it when it's just me and me only things are more smooth and better. And then when I get a co-host, it's definitely makes that episode that much better. So, you know, thanks so much for noticing that. I definitely agree with you that the show is definitely more consistent, uh, you know, when I don't have a co you know, when I don't have an official co-host, quote unquote. So uh, it flows better. It's funnier. Most of all, he loves, in capital letters, his fans. He has this thing called STL Nation. Once you write in, you become a member and get a nickname. In a way, it's lame, uh, but super geeky and fun at the same time. Keep up the excellent work, Masunis. I love your show. Keep picking fun movies because that's what people come to listen to on your show. You have fun, and we have fun with you. I hope you continue with the show for a very long time. It's my favorite. Thank you so much, uh, Grumpy76, for writing in. Um, excellent review. Uh, I definitely agree with you. You know, the whole point is to just pick fun movies because if I'm having fun, you're having fun. Uh, and there's a lot of great movies that uh, that I love and adore. And uh, and yeah, the STL Nation is kind of lame, but you're right, it is super fun because I love my fans and and it's good stuff. So that's what we got, guys. That's the iTunes review. Um, and thank you for all your emails. I really appreciate it. So.
if you want to write in, it's uh, sweepdelaypodcast.yahoo.com. If you are not a fan on the Facebook page, please do so, www.facebook.com slash sweepdelaypodcast, and go ahead and like the sucker. And then also, if you want to follow on Twitter, it's uh, at stlpodcast. And uh, and then on iTunes, please head on over there and uh, and write a review. And then also on the Facebook, we have a group, the STL Nation Randomness. So go ahead and just type that on in and uh, then ask to join. And then I will go ahead and accept you and uh, come along for the fun. It has been great times. And then also there's a YouTube channel, uh, Sweep Delay Podcast is the channel name um i'll be i'm gonna start throwing up some more videos on there i know it's been kind of lacking since the live show but i will start to put some five or six minute videos up there for you soon so um let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight All right, so for the music spotlight, uh, here's a song I got. It's uh, kind of fitting for this movie uh, since uh, Joe is kind of uh, kind of cold-hearted. Uh, I got Crossfade and Cold. Uh, one of my favorite songs, a great tune. Um, I'm sure you've heard it before. It's an excellent song, um, and it's just about being cold and, and how sorry he was. And, uh, and then also I got a little bonus for you afterwards, so, uh, so stick around. For that uh, great song, uh, again, it's Crossfade, it is cold, and a great tune. So other than that, guys, um, not going to say too much more, and uh, just make sure you go watch Major League, great film, I love it, uh, it's you know baseball time, so it's perfect that we're going to be doing this movie, and then next Tuesday will be Star Wars, so make sure you go ahead and watch episode one, and write all of your hate mail in to sweepdelaypodcastyahoo.com. So that's it, guys. I will catch you in the next couple days when we talk some Major League. So don't forget to email in. Uh, I would definitely love to hear what you have to say about Major League. So you guys take care. This is Masunas out. Looking back at me.